The goal of this podcast is to help you break in and thrive in advertising. We do that every week by sharing the stories and advice of those rocking it on the other side. This week, we learn from Nitin Dua. Nitin is a strategy director at Mojo Supermarket. An economics and finance graduate from the University of Virginia, Nitin found himself a bit conflicted as he broke into financial tech after receiving his master's degree in commerce. So how does a man with a master's degree in commerce from the University of Virginia break into strategy at Fallon, then become strategy director at the award-winning creative shop Mojo Supermarket? where his recent campaign for the Truth Initiative just won a grand effie, one of the most challenging awards and most sought-after strategy accolades. How does this all happen? Well, I'll let you listen to find out. I can't give it all away in this intro, but here's what I can tell you. Nitin has a great mind and perspective, which helps when you want to break into strategy. You will be able to tell from our conversation that he is conscientious. You can also tell that he cares about helping aspiring advertisers as he plans to break into academia at some point in his career. We discuss Mojo Supermarket, Fallon, portfolio schools, higher education, taking on internships strategically, and break-in options and advice just for you. And last thing, Nitin listed out hand-picked resources to help aspiring advertisers break into advertising. You can find those exclusively on our Instagram at breaking and entering pod, all one word at breaking and entering pod. Go there. It's like a library of free resources. Now on with the show. This is the breaking and entering advertising podcast. And as usual, I'm your accomplice, Gino Schellenberger. Kick it, Mikey. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Nitin Dua. Nitin Dua, welcome to Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. How are you doing today? Thanks, Gino. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I, I Actually, I told you before this, I had to leave my office a little bit early today. I was a little irritable. I don't think I ate enough food or maybe I drank too much coffee. So I went yeah. home early today, like at like four o'clock, and now I'm like refreshed. And That's I'm, great. I mean, you got to be refreshed. No reason to go if you're feeling irritable, right? Yeah, absolutely. So how do you go around not feeling irritable? Uh, I, I I have to try to follow my routine as closely as possible. Um, I'm an early riser. I got to wake up at 530 every morning, hit the gym, uh, drink a lot of water, drink my coffee. And if I don't get that, I can get like definitely pretty. Irritable. It's It happens. And I'm the same way. I'm an early riser as well. And um, routine for me is everything, but sometimes, and this is not a therapy session. We're going to talk about breaking out. <laughs> I just feel like sometimes when you're so strict with your, like, I'm so strict with my routine, I get stressed out if I, I need to learn to go with the flow. Yeah. I mean, I, I also, um, intermittent fast. And so I have a block on my calendar at noon. I'm like, let me just quickly get a, like a bite in. Cause I haven't eaten in 16 hours. And then, uh, if I don't get it, I can definitely be like be be even more irritable. And so yeah. I need to definitely let go of that just a little bit, have a little bit of flexibility because uh, I don't want to take that out on other people. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it happens. And it happens to all of us. So yeah. it's a good little lesson right there. But we're here to talk about you. 
We're here to talk about Mojo Supermarket because that's where you work. Yep. We're here to talk about what does it mean to be a strategy strategy director because you're a strategy director at Mojo Supermarket. Let's 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 do it. Tell us about it. Tell us about you. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I'll go way back quickly because I didn't know I'd be in this industry. Um, I didn't even know it existed when I was in college and I was a finance major, a financial economics major. I thought I was going to be an investment banker. Um, and when I started going on interviews, I was like, I don't like this. This isn't, doesn't feel right. I kind of made a mistake. Um, I ended up taking a job in, in financial software for a little bit, the small fintech company, which was great. But, but before starting that job, I accidentally discovered advertising. And I realized that that was a much more interesting thing to do. It was something that combined kind of my um, my creative brain meets the business brain. And I thought, I want to like pursue this. I took my job, but I kind of like really wa wanted to pursue this new thing. And I was reading all the books. I was trying to break in. I was actually having a really hard time with it. How did you wait? So you're a finance investment banker. You're, you're bound to make a bunch of money in your life and be super busy. How yeah. did you remind me again how you found out about advertising? Yeah. So before graduating, um, I, I got a job in November of um, so I did this, I did this thing. I went to school at UVA. I did five years and I got a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in finance. Mm -hmm. Um between like November of 2012 and and June of 2013, when I was supposed to start a finance job, I went and studied abroad. And in this study abroad, we had this really great mix of classroom, excuse me, classroom learning and like real life industry learning. And I got to visit an ad agency abroad. They gave us this little assignment to work on where it was, you know, 30 minute sprint on, I think it was Mountain Dew. I don't remember the brand, but I remember just having so much fun with it that I thought like, I wonder if I can do this thing. Why were you going to an ad agency? Was the class just like an elective, like abroad? It was so. So it was, it was a little bit of uh, our professor had a connection to it, so they were like filling up the curriculum. Um, but like, it wasn't literally only a master's in finance. It was a it was a master's in business, and I concentrated in finance. And so they kind of had this thing where like you got the full rounded business education, where we did management, marketing data systems, uh, coding, like, you know, sort of this broad mix of, of things. And then you concentrated um, for one full semester. And then it kind of culminated in this study abroad that did everything. That sounds like a great program. Why it was you good. Why did you go into the master's program? So it was like a four plus one. You got your master's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was exactly it. I'm trying to think 2013, 2014. What, what was why what was the rationale behind the masters other than that it was a convenient program and it sounded nice because it does sound nice yeah it was a couple of things so um one uh when i was finishing up undergrad i just felt like I, I needed a little bit more time and i had the time to sort of grow and and admittedly had the financial flexibility too to be able to do it That's the thing. Um, yeah but the second thing kind of was like i just thought that my education was incomplete and so at the time it was it was all economics and finance and this also goes back to why i want to be a professor because my econ education was really theory based and it set you up if you wanted to like pursue a phd in economics like you learned a lot of theory but i didn't feel like i had the practical knowledge to start working 
so you went and did, you thought the MBA would the plus yeah, one it was, would give you yeah. more rather than going to work you went to do more school doesn't that seem kind of counterintuitive yeah i mean a little bit it was probably a little bit of immaturity too to be honest like well, it no. was like that's a great idea though i mean like anytime you could further especially if you have the financial flexibility you don't have the stress yeah um and you have the time i always say like now break talking about portfolio school and like master's programs mbas like hey if you have the time and the money and you want the regimen by all means it's the best way to break in nowadays like it's the easiest it's not the easiest but it's like a for sure way to do it if you're dedicated and you have the time and the money yeah i mean and and that's the thing too because when i when i had this finance job and it, i started in june or july of 2013 i um i was trying to break in the ad industry at the same time and for literally a year i couldn't figure it out and part of it was on me like i didn't know the right things to do i didn't know the right people i didn't know how to set up my resume um, I didn't, I wasn't the best at networking. And so I did go back to Brand Center. I spent two years there from 2014 to 2016 because I just needed that um, extra sort of push and that extra access that I couldn't get on my own. So you, you had, so you, when you graduated that, you got the taste of the ad sprint at, at your abroad, where, where abroad were you? Uh, we were in um, Shanghai. Shanghai. What was the agency that you did this? Uh, Wyden you... Kennedy. Wyden Kennedy in Shanghai. It's cool. Nice. So it makes sense. You got you you caught the itch. Yeah, exactly. At a great, great uh, company. I'm, I don't know about Shanghai as much as I do about you know Portland. Right. Uh, but I'm sure they're fantastic as well. You caught the bug there, but you still took your finance job after you had that four plus one master's program study abroad cool thing you took a finance job financial tech right yeah it was a company that had a software that could help banks value their loan portfolios and so i was kind of like the the service that we sold was software plus specialists so i was a financial specialist who understood loan banking and and market and loan banking and portfolio management so i could use the software to sort of like aid in valuation accounting and things like that it, it was this really niche complicated thing that um i have no clue what that means but it sounds awesome <laughs> it was it was okay it's interesting like i um th the purpose of the company was eventually to digitize everything i did um but you know it, it was a long time horizon like they had a 10-year plan to do it so i had a lot of time to be able to grow into this thing and if i wanted to become a manager i could but I kind of just felt like that job was not for me. So I decided to take it, take this sort of advertising itch that you're talking about and make it my full-time long-term thing. How do you, who are you telling, like, you got your your MBA, right? It wasn't an MBA. It was an MS. Yeah, yeah. You got a master's and you were finance, economics, all these years of undergrad who are you telling and how did they react? And you're like, well, this is all great and all. And I'm probably going to get paid. I'm probably getting paid well, but I want to make ads. Yeah. How did I that go I, over with the people you know and love? Yeah. I remember the conversation with my mom like it was yesterday. It was really interesting because she definitely was baffled. It was definitely not a career path that she understood or knew about. And it was one of those things where, um, I already had defied them by not being doctor, lawyer, engineer. 
um that was the household conversation yeah and uh and it was they weren't happy with the masters you got and, yeah no and 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 it's and, and it was more just it was it was a it was diving into such an unknown for them that they right. knew you know part of i'm sure what their fear was that they didn't know how to help me with that they didn't know anyone in this industry they knew people in finance and accounting they could connect me with them if i needed some help um, my mom herself was an accountant my dad himself ran his own business so like they kind of understood different parts of it, but they didn't know what this creative advertising world was. And of course they were worried about it. Um, I would but, be. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't have kids. I don't know what that's like. I'm sure they're average. I would not let my kids study. Average. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's funny. My wife is a pediatric dentist and she's constantly like, our kids are going to be dentists. I'm like, yeah, this is a good path. Does she like it? Yeah, she likes it. Um, she she works with kids all day, and it's really nice for her to. Um, she had this thing where, where when she was deciding if she wanted to specialize or not, she was like, "Kids are allowed to be afraid of the dentist, and adults aren't." And I have so many adults that come in, and I can't deal with how um, whiny they are. And I was like, "Okay, that's kind of makes a lot of sense." And plus, the field was growing, so she was like, "I want to jump in on it." Hmm. Does she want to start a breaking? Entering dentistry podcast, breaking teeth podcast. I think the the path is a little more linear and clear than ours is. Isn't that nice though? Sometimes don't you get envious of? Yeah, obviously, it's probably a lot harder, right? It I mean, is. I I couldn't do it. Uh, I don't have the skill set, the patience, the like ability to think the way she does. Um, it's way different. It's a way different way to use your brain. I'm jealous. Sometimes with like that clear linear path, like, yes, it's very hard. I get that. But I, I do get envious of people that like, well, you get this certain amount of schooling. I don't know. I don't I want, I don't even want to be quoted on this, but you get, you get, like certifications or whatever. Yeah. Like you like the law, like the bar, you pass the bar, you know, you have the one test and you can show that you have the skills and you can do this with the one test and yeah. pass it and you're good. There are these like literal steps, like I'm studying for this from this time frame to this. If I pass, I'm able to move here. And then literally like the jobs just line up and it's, um, it is, it is so much cleaner and clearer than anything we ever have to deal and with. I, and I guess you found out, I guess the closest thing for us is you develop a portfolio, right? Or a, yeah. a body of work or you create a podcast or you. I don't even know. Like there's not one, it's still not one size, but really your portfolio, if you want to be a creative or a strategist is kind of like that, that benchmark piece. Yeah. Your... I do think there are some things that I, at least I try to share with every student I talk to that I feel are the closest thing we have to check boxes. For mm -hmm. example, I tell them like 70% of it is networking yeah um especially in the non-creative side of things like every strategist i talk to i'm like i i i used to do this before leaving brand center i would send anywhere from 10 to 30 emails to recruiters and strategists a week to try to get in front of people my and my hit rate was low but to me it became a numbers game and oh, yeah. it worked for me what are the other check boxes so you said 70 percent networking in your brain yeah, thirty percent is your your experience and examples. Yeah, the other like fifteen to twenty five percent, and you know there might be little things I'm forgetting, but is sort of how do you take your 
your combination of work, life, volunteer experience and kind of frame yourself up yeah, the in narrative. a way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the combination of like the, the showing your qualifications, which is a resume and or a portfolio. And then once you get your foot in the door, it's the interview. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not literally check boxes, but it, if you can, if you can really focus on and have some perseverance around those two things, I think you just really increase your odds of success. I agree. Now, there are some schools of thought that might disagree. Um, my old boss at a portfolio school would say, you're, if you're a creative, so an art director or a copywriter, he would bump those, the percentage on your work would be more so than networking. Because he would, he would always say, your portfolio gets you the job and you go with it. Which yeah, and marketing and positioning for the school that he was running. But if your work's good too, like especially for the creative, like we're talking creatives right now. Yeah. Like you kind of want a decent body of work, whether that's awards that or it's just good spec work that speaks to the, what the client needs are at the time and they're hiring. That's another school of thought too. I think it might be closer to 50 50, maybe for a creative. But the thing, um, I have a hard time wrapping my head around is like, how do you get that in front of people? Like, like I get, I talk to creatives too, not as often as I talk to strategists who want to break in and I'll like their work, but sometimes they get it in front of me. Who's the wrong person because Mojo's tiny. And we, we have a philosophy where a lot of our creatives are pretty senior level. Like we don't actually have a single junior level team. Some agencies are like that. The smaller ones that are really nimble, like the, or newer or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And I think networking is still a significant part of it. Yeah. There are probably people looking at the portfolio schools, clicking through scrolling, and you might be able to break in through that, but you know, brand center itself has uh, what 60 creatives that are, that are all competing. And so when you have to scroll through, you're not scrolling through 60 portfolios, there is possibly an association some recruiter has with, I've heard of these five people because I talked to a professor or I talked to somebody who knows somebody that might help narrow it down. But really it's easier if you get your portfolio in front of them and take away the legwork of having for them to like sift through all of that. I'll tell you what, you brought up a good point right there that I never really think about or I do, but I don't, I never brought it up on the podcast. I'm going straight to professors when I'm looking for somebody for a job, I go to my old professors that I know and love. Uh, Kaylee Cantrell, I mean, I, awesome. I talked with, you know, she ran strategy for the long time. I believe she just retired recently. Yeah, she just retired. But uh, she told us, I remember we were in her class and she said, you know, how often professor uh, uh, professionals hit me up and ask, who do you recommend for this type of job? I mean, it happens all the time. I've done it myself where I reached out to right. Kaylee or now Kevin Rothermel's there to and I reached out to both of them and said, who do you recommend? This is the type of person I need. Yeah. And it takes away so time. much legwork. You don't have, we don't have the time to go through even 20 to 30, unless you're a recruiter, that's your job. But even you, then you, though, I, do they have the time to go through 20 a day? I don't know. Like I mean, maybe around, job. I would hope so. I would I hope so. That. The problem is flipped though. Or the problem is different than right. Like, how do you make yourself memorable in there? And that's where the work piece really, really, really matters. 
But even then, if you get to a recruiter, like you have a couple of layers after that, that's where the interview really matters. How you sell in what's in your portfolio really matters too. So it's not just framing it up on the site. It's like, how do you talk about it? Are you good at that? Do you understand how to really set yourself up for success? It's just a question that you have to think about. And practice too. Yeah. I think a lot of the interview stuff is practice. If you're getting interviews, you're in a good spot. 100% agree. But no, I, I like that, like getting close with professors and they like your work and you showed like that you work hard because that's what I do and you've done it. That's a good point. So why? So you went to VCU, back to your story, and then I want to talk about Mojo. Yeah. Because we flipped it. We're supposed to talk about advice later, but that's totally fine. <laughs> I used to be very strict with my format of this podcast. Now I just go all over the place and people are re- very receptive of it. Um, so you, read, you decided you after your cool finance tech banking platform job that you needed to go to portfolio school because you couldn't, you weren't getting bites. Uh, and your, your family was like, okay, go ahead and do this. Maybe you're crazy. Yeah. Actually don't do this. What what did they say exactly? Uh, my mom just didn't get it. And she said, look like, you know, we, you're paying for it. And I said, yeah, it's fine. You know, I'll, I'll figure that that piece of it out. Um, because I was, I think part of it was a test of how much do you really care about this? Um, but, but another part of it was just like, you know, she, I think she wanted me to have some skin in the game. Um, yeah. but yeah, that, that was, that was, uh, that was a tough conversation, but in the, in hindsight, a very worthwhile one. So you were telling her at this time, you're like, I, I've been trying to get out of my current job. It's not working. I'm going to VCU Brand Center. Why VCU Brand Center? What was the um, rationale? Yeah, a couple of things. One, I felt like their strategy track was the you know the the most. It was the thing I wanted to do. In hindsight, I was looking at my finance degree, and I was like looking in my closet at home. I remember this, and I was looking at the. I had a stack. I've I had a couple stacks of textbooks. Cause I didn't sell them and I, I wondered if I wanted to keep them anyway, I was looking at them and I was wondering what my favorite classes were. I was kind of like trying to decide, cause I was deciding they have two tracks there, um, creative brand management strategy. And I thought, which one do I align with? What per path would I want to pursue? And I chose strategy because my favorite class was um, called behavioral economics. And it, it just made a lot of sense because in an economics degree, you often, in order to do the work, have to assume things. Your teacher will say, in order to do these, you know, uh, calculate these problems. Rational. Yeah, you have to assume everyone's rational. And it was, and in in that class, I remember the first day, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'll say it, and if you want, I need to cut it out, cut it. But the teacher comes in and says, all of your teachers have told you to assume everyone's rational. I'm here to tell you the economy is driven by fear and cocaine. And everyone was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and it, it just kind of jarred us. And, and I remember reading every book. I remember like loving every scientific paper I read about psychology and economic decision making. And it just it just made me go, OK, strategy is a the right thing. And then it helped narrow down the places I could go because really Brand Center had the best bet. Um, what and is then, creative brand management? You said so you're between creative brand management and strategy. Yeah, creative brand management produces usually the career path is either the client side, you become a brand marketer, brand manager, or you become you kind of go on the account side um, of things. That's usually what that path produces because you get the education is is closer to a traditional marketing 
MBA type of education where you have a combination of like accounting, people skills, management, uh, but it's more of a so how do you manage creative that things? as well? You're looking at interesting. I, I I don't know if I would do that. Well, yeah, I mean it, it's a it's a different type of person, and actually, maybe thirty percent of that graduating class ends up becoming a strategist anyway. So so it kind of it kind of depends on what you need and want to learn. Um, and what you I, I, I've heard great things about the strategy program uh, and it's two years and it's not cheap. I know that, but if you have yeah. the means to do it and you have the time, it is like, like I've said before, VCU, you also get the master's degree. So you have two master's degrees, right? Yeah. And, and honestly, I just thought that like, it would, it, it would give me the access I wanted, like the access oh, that I couldn't yeah. get. And it did. What are the other, what were the other options that you were looking at? Um, mostly it was keep, keep trying to break in or an MBA. And I just didn't want to do an MBA. An MBA to get into a strategy role doesn't, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've, I've never interviewed anybody that's done that. I've maybe. met two people in my career. Yeah. 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 I mean, there is maybe marketing master. There's IMC at Northwestern. I hear is a good one too. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think UT Austin might have a program like a like a master's, not an MBA, but something like it. You can they do have a, they have a master's and a PhD. I know a lot of your yeah. professors, if you study undergrad advertising, which you didn't do, but I'm sure you you know a lot of people. A lot of the times they'll have a PhD from Michigan State or UT Austin. Yeah, and I remember looking at Austin too, but I I just didn't feel like it was the right thing for me and plus by the way the final reason is i'm i grew up in virginia like it was easy for me to go it's an hour from my parents house yeah um, i know richmond pretty well i went to college 45 minutes from richmond at university of virginia so like it just it was the easiest oh. be, uh, bet so to take. how bad did you want to work at martin agency all this time <laughs> uh i really liked the martin agency i remember being there and, and i thought i would stay in richmond after i finished so i i, I connected really hard with some of the people there um was but i ended up going to minneapolis was that your golden goose? No, it was. Uh, uh, I'm. It ended up being Fallon was the golden goose, but um, that's a good golden goose too. But why? Uh, all right, let's get into your break in now. Yeah, yeah. So you did VCU. You developed a great portfolio. You got your master's degree. You were able to pay this on your own, maybe I don't know, but that was you had skin in the game. You want to prove your parents that you could do this, and you made the right choice because you made a big career switch, right? Yeah. Um, so what happens after that? You worked your tail off and, and I'm sure Kaylee Cantrell gave you a shout out to some people that reached out. What, what happened? What happens after that? Yeah. And actually, um, so between my first and second year, I went to a small brand consultancy uh, to intern called Zeus Jones. And the reason I did that was because I just thought that coming from the finance world, it would be easier to break into a consultancy. Like there was a little bit more business skill that I could apply right. there, but I didn't like my experience, not because of Zeus Jones, um, great people, really smart people. Cool, I just right. really wanted to be closer to creative. Um, and so I, I thought a creative agency was the right thing. Consult a brand consultancy shop. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So they just, what do they do? They just uh, do brand architecture, tell you how to position a little bit like strategy front end where you're at diagnosis and then tell you to F off. Kind of. Yeah. And the clients are like, the client is, is usually not a CMO. It's actually like, sometimes it's a CEO. I've, I worked with like the head of licensing once at um, general mills. 
Mm. Um, we worked with product people. So it was, it was taking a brand lens on like, a, like everything that an organization does that faces consumers most of the time, but they did some B2B stuff too. But it was, if you're, if your thing is something that an end user or consumer or customer will interact with, then there needs to be a brand lens to it. So licensing, for example, it's like General Mills has a lot of IP. Um, how do you get, how do you combine that with other things to make interesting stuff? For example, like a cereal brand combining with a fashion brand, right? So they were wanted an approach to licensing um, that would help them just unlock revenue. I like that. Yeah, it was, really it was like interesting. I just, I just didn't see it for me. But you you did this strategically, right? Because you knew that you came from the finance background with the masters and like that rotational thing you did in Europe. You knew that your background with economy and finance would closer align, would get you a step closer to your your agency break in, which yeah. is really smart because you probably had a lot of self awareness, or maybe it's hindsight bias and looking back and you're connecting the dots now. But it made sense. You got a step closer. Right. Yeah. You your way. You didn't try to make the big leap to your golden goose. You weren't going to Fallon just yet. Yeah. You turned strategically and you learned. You learned a lot, I'm sure. And you learned what you loved and what you didn't love. And that got you on paper. It looked better. Your narrative, yeah. your story just got better. 100%. Um, it helped me. It definitely helped me break into eventually Fallon, um, which was just a really uh, good experience. And it was one of the things where that networking piece really helped because, um, again, I was sending a lot of emails. Like I wasn't only looking to work there, but it was definitely my preference. Um, and eventually my choice was between two agencies and um, I chose Fallon because it was just for me, like the number one thing of what I looked for was who my boss is going to be at a job um and that person and i just had a, a we clearly bonded quicker i just saw something uh where i felt like i could grow a lot more under that person and um it was it was a good decision in hindsight too so what, let me um so you entered at this consultancy zeus jones zeus jones cool name and then you went back i don't know that for a year for another year school year at vcu brand center mm-hmm you then graduated, you got your master's in strategy, creative yep. strategy. You had a good, a, a great portfolio, I'm assuming, online. Decent. Not the best one in the class, I'll tell you that. <laughs> that's okay. I mean, that's also, too, it's like, you're, that's, I'm sure it's very competitive. I don't know how the, the nature of the game works over there. Collaborative, competitive a little bit. Probably a little total line. Yeah. yeah. And everybody's like trying to get looking around who got hired and where they got hired at and who was the last one. Is there a little bit of that game to it? hundred percent. There's definitely the, there's definitely the, how did that person get that? Um, and again, it, it kind of, for me was like proof that networking mattered more. Cause while everyone was taking their portfolio down to the last three weeks of school, um, I had mine done in February and I just started sending it out. Like, I'm just going to get in front of as many names as possible. It's not a perfect portfolio, but it showcases who I am. And I I believe I'm a pretty good interviewer. Um, and so I was like, as long as I can get my foot in the door, I'm, I know I'm going to, I'm going to like budge my, push my way. Especially in strategy, right? Like strategy is all about your way of thinking and, and, uh, yeah. and it's, that's tested through a conversation, I believe, and scenarios and, you know, getting to know you. 
So that makes 100%. a lot of sense too. Okay. So you started early. That's another good lesson there. Like it doesn't have to be perfect for you to send it out. Um, and you yeah, can always tell people know that it's like 80% done, 90% done, or this is a, it's in a good enough spot for you to look at, right? Yeah. And, you know, there were a couple where I was like, hey, I'm working on this brief now. Let's talk about this thing that I'm like work in progress on. And here's half the brief. And um, here's what I'm thinking about. I remember there was one project I was working on, threw it in. And uh, it was incomplete. I was like, I'm sort of waffling between a few thoughts. And I talked to a strategy director and I said, this is what I'm thinking about. And he actually guided me <laughs> right in that interview. I didn't take the job. I got it. But I was like, OK, I'm going to sort of use this to develop it even well, you further. Did that in, in an interview. Yeah, because because, you know, they they asked uh, walk us through something you're working on or you've worked on. What, and I agency, said, what agency was that? Um. I can't even, uh, I think it was McKinney, but don't quote me on that because I was talking to a couple places. Um, but I just remember uh, talking about Progresso and it was this like project I was struggling with. And I was like, I'm thinking about this or I'm thinking about this. And okay. uh, yeah, yeah. And that's your thought process. Down. That's smart. Yeah. And you got the, you got the offer there too. Yeah. I ended up not taking it because Fallon was the thing I wanted, but yeah. um, that was, yeah, it was really fun to, it was really because like, you know, the thing is, and even now I know this and my boss says this to me all the time. He says strategy is never done. Um, even if you briefed, you could possibly improve it, provide more value to creatives, have more fun doing it. And I remember what I got, I would get my portfolio out and then the next week I would change it. It's not like it mattered. Uh, you know, if I changed it the next week, it didn't have to be perfect and it didn't have to be the same as when someone saw it previously. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and a portfolio is constantly updated. Strategy when you're in an agency should be constantly checked on, tweaked as well. Yeah. I think. I don't know. I, I think know. so. I mean, I'm always doing it. Like I'm not I, a strategy. Even last week, I I we we already have sold in a creative idea for one of our clients and um we're we're a week out from production. So it's just little nitpicky things. And one of our creators said, I have a thought on how to rewrite your strategy to help sell in this one thing we're working on. And I was like, I hope it's not the whole thing. Well, but then he said, no, it's just, there's something about it that um, can help us better, like uh, use your strategy as a filter for our work. And I was like, great. Like, so then he helped me rewrite it and I sent it to the team and they were like, oh, this helps us better go. This idea is working. This line is working. These words are working a little bit better. Sure. And so for me, it's never done because of that. That's a little complicated for me to understand at this moment in my brain functioning power, <laughs> but that's our, my listeners are probably a lot smarter than I am. So I'm sure they'll understand. That's funny. All right, let's hear Mojo Supermarket. So you broke into Fallon, Dream yep. Agency, or that was your golden goose. What was it like working there? Was everything you dreamt of? And then give me high points of the rest of your career, and we'll get to Mojo. Yeah, so I, I was there for four years. What I had in Fallon, I started as an intern, um, and what I and actually I started as an analytics intern. That was another foot in the door. Right. I told the well, it was within the strategy department. So right, the, right. the head of strategy was my boss. And you turned down a full-time offer from XYZ. Agency. No, no, no. The other place was an internship too. It was internship. It's crazy that you had to do an internship after two years of additional school. You have two masters. Sometimes you got to take the opportunity. Like it's, it's, it, first of all, um, 
it was one of those things where like there was a big chance a job was at the end of the tunnel. It wasn't guaranteed by any means. You can read the signs in the room and what were yeah. those? Like were they 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 mentioned that we're looking to hire somebody at the end of this, or did they say it explicitly, or how did you know? It was um it was one of those things where it, it was since it was an analytics intern, there was an investment in building an analytics department. So I was actually the second person in the whole department. They had just built it. Hmm. So I thought that was a good thing. They're not going to cut this after three months. Hope um, I hope not. Yeah. And um, it was, they talked me through all the new business they had. And and I just, it you know, part of it's risk too. Like it wasn't guaranteed by any means, but I just felt good about it. And I thought worst case scenario, like I'll just start making phone calls to the other places that I'd already been talking to. Right. And it worked out. Yeah. How long did you intern for? Interned for three months. Um, I took uh, a full-time role as actually a strategist and analytics person. So I kind of was like, hey, I don't want to just be an analytics person. I know that's the need right now, but make me a planner too. And, and I'll kind of uh, toe the line between both. One project might be as a planner. One project might be as a data analyst. And, and I kind of did both for a while. But I think the most important thing was over that time, I just had a really good boss who saw a lot of potential in me and helped me unlock a lot of the things in myself that I did. Like, I would get to obstacles and not know how to get over them. And she just understood how me as a person and, and as a professional, like, she saw how I could grow and sort of push me uh, to do so along the way. She did that in two ways. One was kind of by giving me chances. She would put me in rooms I didn't know I was ready for, but she knew I was ready for. Um, and just by being tough on me, like I it, I didn't always know what I could do, uh, what my abilities were. And she set the bar high and helped me get over that bar. Who is this person? Uh, Juliana Simon. Uh, she's now no longer at Fallon. She's at Callen. <laughs> funny enough. Yep. Um, I sent her, I think I sent you her name. Uh, she's awesome. She just, um, she's one of the smartest people ever. She reads a book a day, I think, think on average. And, um, she just, she just was a really good mentor to me. Shout out. She's great. Like to hear. What about after that? What else happens in your career? Yeah. So when I left, uh, Fallon, I went to, it was actually because I moved to New York. Um, she became, my girlfriend became my wife and she got a residency in Brooklyn. And so it was time to, time to move over there. And, um, I moved to Johannes Leonardo for a bit. I wasn't a fit there personally, in my opinion. Um, so I, 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 it was kind of for me a little bit of like, oh, I, I had this great experience at Fallon. I didn't know what else was out there and I kind of had to make my way through it. And then I stayed there for about 10 months. Um, and then I moved over to Mojo Supermarket um, because mostly because a, it was a promotion, like it was going from a senior strategist to a strategy director. Um, I just felt like it, it wasn't the place for me and it wasn't personal for about anyone whatsoever. They're a great agency. I liked all the people as individuals, but I just needed an environment that was a little bit different for me. Nothing wrong with that, right? And when you know, you know, it's yeah. when you know, you know, it's time to go. 100%. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you don't burn any bridges and you got a, another promotion out of yeah. it. Yeah. You don't want to be doing that, you know, every career, but. I mean, every, yeah, no, you don't want to do it all the time, but I've been here at Mojo for two years. So it's been a pretty good experience since that's a long time. Yeah. It's been, and especially because Mojo is only like four years old or five years old. There you go. And you worked on looking at your media here. There's some hockey in you. What's oh, up? that was fun. Yeah. 
breath of stress air the anti-vaping one i've seen that everywhere that's great yeah we just won the grand effie for that last that was a huge deal yeah man that was good the truth initiative is uh a a major client for us and just such a good relationship and they're they trusted us in since the beginning because we told them not to to only be an anti-vape brand but actually be a pro mental health brand and they took Mm -hmm. a leap of faith with us because before that a lot of the work they did was kind of right on the nose with uh, the harms and dangers of vaping and before that cigarettes and we told them that uh, because we found and i think they shared this with us we just used the data in an interesting way where um we found that amongst all the issues that Gen Z cares about, and they cared about teenagers and and young people because teen vaping had gone up from 3% in like 2018 to 25% of teens were vaping in 2020 or 2021. And uh, they didn't care about it. It was like 14th among the list of 15 issues that Gen Z cared about in public health. And number one was mental health issues amongst their generation. And so we... we, yeah, we were like, are, is there any science that we can legally use to connect the two? Um, and we did. And it was it's it's been a really important um, campaign because uh, we've we've helped young people realize um, that vaping can potentially make their feelings of depression and anxiety and stress worse. And we did that first through creating a fake company called the depression stick, which acted like a company that went out and like marketed depression. They were like, we're selling depression through this product. I remember I'm that generation. I remember getting targeted for that. Um, I'm glad you saw it. (laughs) Um, But then we, you know, then we like sort of phased it out and we went from talking about depression to stress. And um, we made this campaign called vaping. It's a breath of stress air. Um, and it, and we created this fake meditation routine that started off with take a deep breath in and then it kind of stressed you out through the whole ad. Mm-hmm. And so it was good. And, and we ended up winning. It was literally last week, I think, a grand effie for that work because we just just saw so such a big impact of that work on um, trying to get young people to not vape. That's like one of the biggest awards. It's hardest, one of the hardest awards to get. It's also just the most plenary award. It's so fun, but it, it, it's an effectiveness yeah. award, which is, um, I think, just, yeah, just slightly less subjective than the other ones. I love it. That, yeah. Congrats. That's huge. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. How can, uh, well, before I, I wrap this up, Mojo, what else is the culture like there? How many people, current clients can you talk about? Usually we lead off with this, but. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna end off with mojo because we i know we could talk forever but give us the rundown would you recommend people look into it you said there's not a lot of juniors so probably not at the moment but start networking now any internships at the moment what are you guys looking at right not now? not at the moment um we we don't always do like a seasonal internship we'll, we'll sure. try to bring a, a strategist or two on whenever we need somebody and even if that's part-time you're in school like that's okay um, the agency's great. We're, we're really small. We're maybe about 40 people. Don't quote me on that number, but we're a small but mighty agency, I would say, um, where we've got a really great team of people who, uh, what I like about Mojo is that the bar is pretty high on the work. Um, Mo and, and Jono and Ryan and uh, Michelle and the rest of our, and, and Eric, our leadership team, 
they do a really good job of just keeping us like pushing everybody around them to be better. And I think what it's led to is a culture of growth, culture of like honesty. Um, I've been at agent, I've been at like companies, not just agencies where like, it's hard to give direct feedback because people take it personally. And I have found that we've, our leadership team has created this culture of like, Hey, it's about the work. It's not about you. And even, even though it always should be, it's not always taken that way. Um, I've noticed. And so I think we've just done a really good job of building that. Um, and we've got great clients like the truth initiative. We work with um, meta brands quite often. We've worked with TNT and bleacher report. We've done a lot of projects with Savage X Fenty. Uh, we just started working with death wish coffee. Um, so we've got a great roster of clients and, and people that we work with. And, and we try to always work with clients that we feel like have ambitions that are as big as ours. And what it does is it always pushes, it, it, it makes every feedback meeting, every briefing, whatever, just a lot more um, conversational. And um, even it allows room for disagreement and like pushing each other. We've had moments where we've told our clients, hey, I don't, I don't know if this brief is working. Like, can we talk it through and figure out how to make your brief better to us? And that leads to them being like, hey, this isn't working for us. Here's direct ways that we can improve it. And it never is taken personally. It's always in, in, uh, in align in, in the spirit of like aligned goals. Cause we all, all want to make good work. Easier said than done. Right. <laughs> it sounds like that's yeah. like, that's the expectation of all advertising. It's hard to do. It's very hard to do. So if that's true, I, and I believe you and you can maintain that. That's, that's the dream. So well, no agency is perfect. You got to, yeah. you know, there's always like, because it, it's still people who are at the heart of this, right? And people have emotions, people um, have different incentives and, and not people have lives. people are rational either. <laughs> <laughs> nice callback. We love a good callback. Love a good callback. <laughs> uh, I agree. And uh, I think that's all we got. I think we're going to leave it there because we left. I know there's a lot more, but I want people to reach out to you directly. Yeah, man. How could they do that if that's is that legal? Yes, it is. Uh I'll I'll I can send you my email. Um, it's my first name at mojosuper.market. Um, feel free to just email me there. I'm an open book. I'm not always the quickest responder, but I'm an open book. Cool. All right. Thank you so much. You were fantastic. This has been Thanks, you know. I can't wait for people to reach out and uh see what Mojo does in the future. Yeah, man. Appreciate you, appreciate your time. Mm -hmm. Have a good one. Thanks, man.